podcast for the week of February 25th. My name is Justin Hurd. My name is Nathan Steinman. And uh, we're, we're, we have a pretty decent track record at this point. Four, four weeks. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it January yet? Are no, no, that 2019 was, no, that was last month. Oh, oh, okay. 2019th was last month. So, so we're actually we're in March already of uh, next year. Well, no, no, we're we're in February of 2019. Oh, that's oh, okay. that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, January so 2019 just, just was year, last month. You know, just a year past the actual recording date. You know, like you do as, as you do. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> right now, we are survivors of the the only winter storm of 2018. The, the only winter storm of winter at all, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and t- 2017, I guess. Yeah, just the the whole winter, it's been a botched yeah. madness thing. I I I uh I had actually said to a coworker not too long ago, "You think uh, we're gonna get one of those like freak February March storms?" Several weeks later, freak February storm. Right. Yeah. One of those where uh, yesterday when I left work at nine o'clock instead of like midnight. Um, because there was no one fucking there. Well, they actually opted to shut down the stores for once. A GameStop actually elected to close. This this does not compute. This, Our, hours this does early. Not compute. Well, most stores it's an hour early. For us, it was two hours early. But um, I turned onto the frontage road, and the first thing I did was do a 180 spin. Woohoo! Right into oncoming traffic. Hey, <laughs> hi guys, how are you? <laughs> hi everybody. Pleasure meeting you. Um, I, I'll be your entertainment for this evening. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to head home. Uh, uh, if if you allow me to head home, I'm going to. No, so, I don't need to personally meet you. No meet and greet. Yeah. No. No signing anything. Sorry, can't do autographs right now. Yeah. No need to get the police involved this time. <laughs> this time. So, but uh, so uh, Justin, what have you been working on? Um. Yeah, so clearly working on that Snickers bar over there. Uh, hey, I'm leaning away from the mic; they can't hear shit. Um, <laughs> I just meant it had your utmost attention. You know, I actually moment. meant to get some coffee before this, but oh, oh well, oh well, I'll run on fumes. Um, fumes. So, still working on the Clyde Barker. I actually made a little bit of headway on there, but I'm a perfectionist, so every little yeah until I get that motor revving again every little you know every little roadblock is a uh, a disaster no it's not even that it's literally like every piece of footage i'm like okay that's good for today (laughs) there's 10 second 10 seconds of little monsters uh when i'm talking about a bully that's good i mean uh, i worked on it yeah hey i i downloaded like a uh, two-minute clip of arachnophobia that I'm going to cut into maybe five seconds. We're good. We're good. I'll get to that tomorrow. <laughs> so this this is the piecemeal, uh, slowly it's, attach it, each piece of the puzzle. I method. mean that, that. I mean that's how I work anyway. When it comes to the video, is just finding the perfect thing, and I generally work. I honestly, how I generally work is that I try like to lay down the titles first. And then go back through and start putting together the things that I'm... It's the candy bar equivalent where it's like, hey, I know this is the one that's going to take a little bit of extra work. This is the stuff I'm going to be interested in. The problem that comes with that is like I have the outro already all completed. At least the old style way of doing the outro. Not not the new style. <laughs> not the new one. Yeah. But I have all that completed. But then I was like, hey, I, I just don't need to have that 10 seconds of me going... Well, I definitely missed October, so I guess let's get rid of any pretense and instead just jump into the video. So, before I... Hey, when it was December, yeah, I totally felt like that was needed. No, not so much. It's February. (laughs) It might be October before I get this video out at the rate I'm going. Um, But, you know, working... You need to find uh, something. (laughs) I know. It's mostly it's... I'm listening to it, and... um, Unlike several videos I've watched recently, including Nightmind, I'm not comfortable with having a static image on screen or having blackness for three minutes while they talk about something. I've just watched one on Nightmind where he literally had um, expectations are your enemy. 
um, on screen while he just wax philosophic for 45 seconds to a minute. And I'm like, uh, I, I can't, I'm not, I can't do that. I have to have, it's my ADHD going on. It's me. Nate, as we've talked about previously, Nathan has seen me like watch movies. I know. And Hey, I'm getting coffee. Hey, I'm even during a fucking yeah. and drive. First viewing. I was writing an idea for a uh, script down and like outlining some scenes while we were watching the movie because I have to have the constant input. Yeah, and see from I need so much concentration to do work that right. I, I I don't know how other people like I I literally tried to put on a movie and realized I wasn't doing anything except watching the movie even though I wasn't supposed to be watching it so I just shut it off. Yeah, my my issue is is that if I throw on a movie I haven't seen and I'm working on something. Like if it's a if it's a drama or a TV show, sh- sure, whatever. Like yeah. those are designed to have, you know, to have peak moments. Their dramas do go for subtlety, but television shows are literally, hey, wait. Comes. Well, I mean, a lot of t- I would say even a lot of television is still aiming for the, hey, here's the big moment. Roll it back if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, pay attention. Uh, yeah. This for is this. this is the pay attention moment. Jesus. So, um, the the problem there. Apparently, we had a lot of uh, noise going on. Yeah, somebody's uh, viewing Netflix. Well, <laughs> I'm not viewing Netflix. I was pulling something up that I forgot to pull up before we started the podcast. Good, good job. This is this is great for the people down below. I'm sure they're. Did you say people down below? I did. I did. It, we we are uh, an exclusive podcast to the um, underground culture of Fraggles. <laughs> just it's just for the Fraggles yeah, and only for no, the Fraggles. Yeah, nobody else. But anyway, so um, if I'm watching a movie, I'm actually inter- uh, quote unquote watching a movie. I'm actually interested while I'm working on something. Like I watched uh, Autopsy uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, which is a horror movie. That I've been really interested in, you know, one of those locker room mysteries, sort of, you know, thrillers. And I missed every jump scare just because I wasn't, I was paying attention enough to know the story and know, like, watch it during important points. But, you know, and it's jump scares, so they really don't have much merit most of the time. But it was a movie I was looking forward to. And since then, it's been like, okay, unless it's a movie I've seen a couple of, at least a couple times, or a television show that's that kind of yeah. broad strokes sort of feel, I, I need to just... If I'm going to be working on, I need to not be working on something. It, um, memoir of a murderer just showed up. Uh, yeah, um, isn't that a Korean? Uh, yes, I do believe so. So yeah, a Korean uh, serial killer um, drama mystery thriller yeah. or whatever that um, Tony Zhao talked about years and years ago and got me interested in it. And I've been, oh, I'm gonna every time I go to the video store, hey, I need to buy that. All right, do they have it? They don't have it. Crap. Okay, Amazon. Nope, it's not free yet. Finally on Netflix. And my first thought is, shit, it's subtitles, and I'd actually have to pay attention to this instead of being able to work on it with background noise. So I remember writing a novel, you know, writing novels between 1 and 4 o'clock in the morning, having um, two different TVs on in my room and music playing in my headphones, and that's the perfect atmosphere for me to write in. Yeah. It sounds, uh, Warren Ellis kind of talks about that, like, He'll have uh, a movie with no audio. He'll have music playing. And then he'll have, like, news feeds just updating on a tablet. Yeah. And he's just writing. And just whenever he gets stuck, he'll flip through the news feed until he gets an idea. And then he just goes back. And so. I'm sorry we completely lost Nathan there because he completely turned away from the mic. Because I'm miming everything because that's <laughs> what I do. That for, for the uh, lovely uh, video visual audience that we have here, the live studio also audience. Known as, also known as the garage. <laughs> yeah, the, the live studio audience that is my garage door. Uh, so All, all that uh, plastic and the, you know that mirrored kind of pearlish plastic thank you thank you plastic i hope you enjoyed the show uh so anyway i'm um i'm all, problem is is i'm bouncing back and forth between multiple projects and even talking with uh, some of the subscribers on the, the dubious consumption youtube channel 
um, about the projects I'm going to do. But I'm on. I have my uh, year-end list, which is not a hey, these are the best of 2017. It's more these are the best things that I've watched in the last year, yeah. like regardless of year. So um, thankfully, I've seen a lot of really good movies from before the two you know 2010s. But last year was mainly concentrated on 2016, essentially. Yeah. So you were catching up, and apparently, I'm going to do that again this year. <laughs> see three billboards <laughs> throw bill, three billboards outside ebbing missouri um missouri there we go missouri yeah so um I'm sure all the people from missouri know that yeah 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 um so nathan what have you been working on uh well i made a lot of headway on the top 10 graphic novel video uh mostly the biggest thing for me has been uh when i wrote the initial synopses the two different people who I showed the script to as like general kind of notes where basically you're not telling me enough to get me interested enough to go out and find the comic. So that was what I was kind of going back through. I also, I reread either a volume if it's a long series or I reread almost the whole thing. If it was just a single book, just to kind of also get in the mood of it a little bit. I tried to keep everything to basically the first or second chapter as far as like information you find out. So that way that there's plenty still to kind of be discovered throughout the series. Um, but just enough to kind of tantalize, not over, not overly spoilerific. And I kind of had to point that out in the intro that I'm specifically kind of avoiding spoilers. Um, but the interesting thing is I have the document of all the printed pages of me printing, reprinting, Xing out, printing on the other side, <laughs> all the different uh, uh, versions. And especially as I was recording them, I, I was rewriting them. And if this line was really clunky or this passage was really repetitive, it just, I, it was a, a lot more development than I was kind of expecting to happen just in the recording process. But the thing that's good is I already had all the kind of ideas for footage to use. So today after the audio was done, it was like, and let's just stitch together the roughest of roughest of rough cuts. I was going <laughs> to say like, yeah, it, you should have seen me flinch when he's talking about printing on preprint uh, paper. He's printed on, but not only it's not that it's that, He's printing on stuff that pages that he's edited and reprinting the same document, but the edited version of the document on, on the, the other, other side, side of pages that he's edited. And it's crossed out. Right, the... which is, it just, I, and he calls me crazy for working on, you know, having so many different inputs. I, I, that, to me, that just makes me flinch and cringe. I don't know. This, I don't that, know. I, I work really well with paper. And so. And at a certain point, I was, like, trying to save paper because I was like, I don't want this to be, like, 100 pages of just drafts of this. So, yeah, for me, it was more just the, uh, I don't know, I I mean, for somebody who has edited so many novels, you know, you would think I'd be more used to that. And I prefer to edit on paper. Like, yeah. editing digitally is fine, but I like it as the follow-up step where it's me cleaning up the document and hiding all the stuff like i hide the edits whenever i put it into a yeah. word document is like no okay cool we're just gonna pretend these don't exist anymore just let's look at the final instead of hey here's the hundreds of changes you made yeah <laughs> over the course of this but at the same time it, uh, it was fascinating to kind of put it together um to really see like hey look at all this fucking work you put into this right and to kind of see like i feel like i already understand better how i'm going to attack things in the future right but it's also i'm also getting more comfortable with the drafting process i feel like like last year i wrote a short story and it's probably the most like intensive drafting of a, short, of a work that I'd done outside of poetry and then there's the recent videos is <laughs> like drafting redrafting drafting again getting deeper getting getting more out of it and 
hopefully the idea would be is the lists will then provide a way to like kind of expand like other videos out of it in the future yeah i was trying to think of the the most interesting article i've read about comic books was that one that our graphic novels um was the one about the um the basically witching or the warlord and our warlock um war between garth or um, between grant morrison and uh what's his alan moore alan moore yeah where they talk about um them including all sorts of occult symbolism and the uh or occult symbols and how the two of them are very public about that part of their lives yeah. and have two very different ideas of how that should be oh yeah like um sent out into the world and how that reflects in their creative work and and even how uh i don't know if they went into it but like with morrison when he was writing the invisibles and doing all this chaos magic and stuff uh, he wrote a character getting sick and then immediately that was that was based off of him him. there was like a version of him right his his like Like, perfect version of of grant morrison and then within a few months he had the exact same like symptoms right which you also wonder it's like was your body just telling you like hey dude 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 you gotta get this taken care of no you're just gonna ignore your body and just write this script and then all of a sudden you're in the hospital but yeah and then then the stuff with watchmen and uh what is it multiversity is that it the, yeah, yeah, the, the the fact that there's a version, a, what if Alan Moore had to write Watchmen now, but actually use the Charlton characters instead of, right. was actually given the Charlton characters instead of, said, uh, no, we need these characters, so you can't kill them all. <laughs> right, but but that yeah, but with that, but also with the fact that it's a um story that isn't linear that you can open up any part of the book to. Well, and it's specifically backwards, like the right. the narrative functions almost entirely reverse. Right, but so you can start from the back page and read to the front, or you can start from the front and read to the back. Yeah, well, everything I've heard about it is also you can start on in the middle and still put it together wow and that there's so i I haven't tried that one (laughs) yeah and that there's so many um the pan the panel layouts are a direct oh yeah um like a direct fuck you to alan to alan moore for uh watchmen and like hey see um not only did i do watchmen with the real characters but i also was able to put more information in here and yeah but also that was written after Alan Moore had basically publicly told him he was a wanker for ripping him off. Right. Yeah. Which, and uh, it was the biggest fuck you there could be. Yeah. And he was like, well, fuck you, Alan. Like, if you're going to be a dick about it, fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because fuck you. Yeah. Well, be- how do you feel about that? Why? Well, but because fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. But uh, it's it's been absolutely fascinating to kind of go back through this kind of stuff as I'm trying to like write about it more and in a way get a kind of study of it that i wasn't really expecting and i have a different perspective on the work uh now when i i feel like when i do videos on either the writers or the specific works in the future writers or artists or the specific work in the future it's gonna like change my perspective all over again right so it's like the list could really be reordered after writing it but there's no sense in reordering it because it functions well as the list it is i mean that's uh what's the thing every time you write a novel it you have to relearn the exact how you did it and put uh, it back together well warren ellis says each for him i know i'm quoting warren ellis all the time but uh, he talked about specifically how every time he tries to write a novel he can't write it the same way well, Neil Gaiman has yeah. essentially said the it's, same it's, thing. It's never the same. Right. It, it tells, eventually it starts telling you how to write it, but you have to try so many different ways before like, you get deep enough that you know what you're doing with it. Right. <laughs> like writing 30,000 words and then cutting it down to 15, and then, <laughs> and then writing from there, and just the kind of 
almost unwieldy process of writing a novel. Oh yeah, I mean, where with where with comics is because of a lot of the times it's a a monthly thing. You know, you don't get to go back most of the time and fix it in post. Right. <laughs> it just comes out the way it is, and then it's collected. Though Scott Snyder apparently uh, uh, is notorious on his Batman run for him fixing the dialogue when it goes to the trade if he was unhappy with it. Well, that's kind of like, I would say that's similar to anime now, is that anime, because it is such a rigorous schedule, they will, you can, there's tons of clips where they're just like, hey, here's the really shitty art they, they used for this fight. And then <laughs> once it comes out on Blu-ray, it's clean, crisp, clean, crisp, perfect, like top, top tier level hey this is what um this is what we meant to do but we didn't have the time to do it before <laughs> because of all this shit so of course that's also why they're notorious for filler arcs yes hey cool we need to shit out an entire season's worth of anime so we can get caught up on the stuff that people actually care about i mean you could almost say the same thing a little bit about some youtubers of just like shitting out content and just like not even like none of most of the time it's terrible but because they have a following people watch it and you just which is the reason why nostalgia chick uh, does not have most of her episodes up yeah because it was like neither does kyle (laughs) yeah (laughs) neither does kyle you know most of them have you know they pick and choose you know it's always it's always that triangle as tony zow talks about of you know is it is it good (laughs) is it timely And what's the third one on there? Well, I thought it was good, fast, and cheap. Yeah, good, fast, and cheap. That was it. Yeah, you can it can either be good Which and fast, timely, yeah, or good and cheap, but it can never be good, fast, and cheap. Yeah, it it can be fast and cheap, but it won't be good. Yeah, <laughs> good and fast, or yeah, yeah, so good and fast, but it'll probably be expensive. Yes, to you, uh, and then you know, good and cheap, but it. It'll take you a while. Which is where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, we're supposed to release daily? Fuck you. Uh, we're supposed to release weekly? Why? Because fuck you. <laughs> because fuck you. <laughs> so, But yeah. I, I feel like that's what's good about this, is this will, this helps us, one, keeps us, this is our own account, this is like our accountability group, <laughs> two with each other. Yeah. And then, uh. You guys get to sit in in our, uh, AA meetings, essentially. <laughs> I made a YouTube video <laughs> while I work two jobs. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Words. Uh, uh, so, uh, Justin, uh, what is something that you would either recommend <laughs> and or let people know to avoid? Uh, this week, actually, I'm going to go for uh, my... what. Something that actually relates to my real job, uh, video game, uh, Titanfall 2. Um, I've been recently on YouTube watching uh, Reshevik, is that it? I can't. I can't. Anyway, um, I always... You I showed would, me one of them the other. Yeah, on uh, Doom's music. But he, uh, he tends to review uh, first-person shooters and kind of go in, in depth on them. He has a series called, like, Halo... Six, you know, 16 years later and then goes through the entirety of the Halo franchise and just says, hey, you know, three years later, one year later, you know, kind of going back through and looking at him. And he went through Titanfall 2 on one of them and I stopped before the spoilers. I'd heard them kind of back of my mind while um, listening to the Giant Bombcast um, during their year end talking about how awesome it was. But kind of watching the gameplay and seeing how freeform it is, it's just open environments you play kind of how you want to but there's a lot of mobility it's a futuristic world it's very firefly or anything you're you're part yeah. of the military but you're fighting down insurgents or you know another evil military that's using mercenaries to pick off your people etc 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 you know like like you do yeah the interesting thing of it is that your character is just a grunt who wants to be a pilot and gets sent onto the battlefield, and his instructor ends up getting killed. So the killed. plot of the new solo film? Yeah. 
But so essentially, it's all this same bullshit, which is probably why people aren't interested in the solo film. Is it looks kind of uh, trite? Why is he? Why is he coming up against a Lovecraftian elder god? Because the planet has a Lovecraftian elder god in the clouds. Cool, cool, whatever. Um. So anyway, um, don't worry. We'll we'll understand uh, how he ended up with the Millennium Falcon. Why, well, why say, it looks like such shit in six years? <laughs> I will say Daniel Glover as uh, a somehow fifteen years younger Lando Calrissian, even though it's only like eight years. Like I don't even want to. I don't even care about the time. Like yeah. he's the only thing that I'm still like totally on board for. Yeah. Um. I I, I kind of want this to be like to be recut as Lando, <laughs> just like not right like. The last five minutes on Sholo. On, on Sholo. <laughs> That's um, the Bollywood ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> and episode title. <laughs> yeah. The Bollywood ripoff. Yeah. Um. So, but what? I, um. The idea is that they have these mechs that you have their own personalities. Um. But they have a neural link with the pilot. And so you, the leader of this uh, troop gets killed and transfers you to this um, mech without you having really any real training in it. Oh, and so you have to do that. You're, you're learning to survive. You're building up a camaraderie with it over the course of it. There's a, you know, it's one of those like um, very much built around, um, how do I put it? He's like the tilt from Stargate, or he's the very dry sense of humor, doesn't realize, takes everything super literally. Uh, so you're like, did you, when you're starting out, like he, he gets better as it goes along, but it starts out like, hey, did you miss me? Uh, that would have been impossible. I was not firing at you. So he's the data. Yes. That's <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but. Wow. I just connected. Star Trek. Wow. <laughs> See, there you go. One of my uh, one of my favorite lines in there. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but um, you come across some new a new Titan loadout with a new gun, new abilities and stuff, and your car- the Titan kind of goes, "Oh, this is a pristine piece of equipment." And it's like, "Oh, BT, you have the and you have the choice of what dialogue you choose." And I chose, "Well, BT, it sounds like you're in love." And he goes, "Well, love would require admiration, devotion, dedication, and whatever <laughs> four things." So, according to those factors, I am fifty percent in love with this. <laughs> wow! So it has, so, and then like they end up doing. At the, least it's got jokes. Yeah, yeah, and it ends up doing like the fastball maneuver multiple times, and then playing into that. So the third time he does the fastball maneuver, it's after you've taken out this boss, and then right as he's he's like, okay, this is going to be the most complicated throw, you know, because this is a lot more complex than our previous. You can say like, hey, yeah, the, like our last throw, and he goes, oh, this is much more complex because we're on, you know, top of a moving um, spaceship. <laughs> throwing you across up to other maneuvering things and rise. He's about to throw you. The guy comes back out, launches rockets at you <laughs> and like tackles the robot as he's about to throw you. And then he's protecting you while he's fighting the guy off. You're like, Holy, like does a great thing of, Hey, the rule of thirds. The third time is the inversion of it. Yeah. Um, I'm tr- the there. So the, I would totally recommend the single player because there's a lot of running around, jumping through it. There's actually a level where you're going through a factory um, and finding tons of Titans and other bad guys jumping out, getting in and getting out of the mech. There's a lot of traversal stuff. But in this one, it's a shortcut where the robot, the mech then gets grabbed and pulled away. The Titan gets pulled away and you're running after him, going deeper and deeper into this factory. And actually while you're fighting people jumping over platforms that are being built. Wow. As it's, and you're like, what the fuck is this place? And it goes, you know, Oh, it's a munitions factory. And then you get a little bit further. And you're like, I don't think this is a munitions factory. And it's building houses with bookcases and mannequins. And like, you're trying not to be killed in the presses while you're dodging gunfire and running through it and everything. And then you finally get to a point where all the houses are on their side kind of filed together almost like the movie cube 
but just <laughs> thousands of them and you have to get up to the top and it turns out that it's a simulated arena basically a gladiatory gladiatory <laughs> arena that this boss is having your troops fight their robots in and you have to survive long enough and then get out the side of it and go through this broken factory trying to escape and when they get to that point where hey you've climbed these all these buildings that are on their side they go you know the achievement is incepted <laughs> you know stuff wow. yeah so it, it there's some cool stuff my only negative when it comes to the game is that a lot of the times i kind of felt like you were fl- like i floated through those sections like I was moving so fast that at times I was like, did I really complete that? Or did I just kind of, there's this, um, I think it's called save scumming. The idea is that you just save all the time until you do a perfect run through. And there was definitely a few times where I got to a certain point and apparently it had saved and checkpointed me or moved me to the next checkpoint. So when I died, I was there and I was like, oh, um, (laughs) real quick. One last thing I just remembered I wanted to mention is there is a level where you come across this facility that's just been completely destroyed and you come across audio logs where they're like, yeah, this Titan just appeared out of nowhere. What the, you know, and then it was gone and you're seeing these flashes of the past. It's like, Oh, these are visions. And then you run up to a, um, you see this professor and I just ran up there and he goes, yes, Lieutenant. And you go, and then it pops you back out. And it, the plot ends up being about this rogue faction using having created a time dilation device that they're going to use to just kind of ruin worlds oh and you get a glove during this segment that allows you whenever you initialize it to switch between the past and the present oh wow (laughs) and so you'll have stuff where like hey there's all these like wire or these laser grids that are keeping you from going through so you turn it off and the whole place is on fire and you're running across these walls jumping switching back into the past so that you're past that point but then there's a tons of troops but whenever you jump past there's all these robots that are left over that are trying to kill you or all these this wildlife that's taken over the place and so you're jumping between the past and the present as a puzzle there's even some things where you're jumping platforms and going between the past and the present to be able to move forward to get past those things so it's that's probably my favorite one because it it's not, hey, you just went into this area, and hey, you jumped here. Oh, you're in the past. You jumped here, and you're in the present. You are choosing when you do, and whenever you move from past to present, if there are humans there that you are fighting, you can see them sort of disintegrate in like a ghost. Like it's a yeah. it's a computer rendi- representation of where they were, but you can just kind of see them floating in the in the air there and then you jump back and oh suddenly you're in a firefight so <laughs> that was a really cool one where it was like okay cool um i that sounds like a and i know it's like a course basically that you have to go through so there are like limits to that there 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 are your choice but, well i mean with this it is it is a directed experience like there's hallways and stuff but you completely choose how you play it. it's less of a course uh, course sounds like a negative to me but it, it yes it is well, it I, i'm is, not meaning it oh yeah negative. i'm meaning it as I, like well I there's think, still direction to yeah yeah it's what you're doing it's story direction but yes it's completely like hey do you want to how do you want to do this what weapons do you want to use how do you want to utilize the people that you know utilize the stuff in here so um the only weird thing is, is that for the plot to have moved forward you have to go into the past and set a beacon in the past that then is given to your forces in the present day right at that moment that you trigger it in the past (laughs) which is just like guys that's everything else here is kind of cool and interesting how you're messing around with time dynamics but that's not how that works you could have just given it to them at the same time right like (laughs) you, you you setting this off they should have had it in the past. Yeah, they would have had it this entire time, yeah. knowing about it, which means you wouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. But as for a gameplay mechanic, it's really cool just to be able to switch out on command and just go, okay, cool, I'm in the past, no, I'm in the future, past, 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 future, past, future, oh, fuck. So, um, after I the campaign's its own beast, but the one thing I can say positively about it is that I jumped back into multiplayer and was... A bit it was better, but it was mostly because I just played an eight-hour campaign and paid attention to the weapons I was using because there's dozens of weapons you can use, and 
just actually paid attention to the ones I was using and enjoyed playing with. And so now that I jumped back in, I'm like, oh, hey, cool. I can use the Spitfire, which is a you know submachine gun. Didn't realize it was that. But, hey, I was good with this in the main game, so let's use this now. And yeah. being able to just have a lot of fun actually playing multiplayer on a game, which I haven't done in a long time. So, Nathan, what would you recommend? Well, uh, Or avoid. I, I, it's going to be a recommend for some, avoid for others. Um, I just finished a book of essays by Gore Vidal. Uh, from it's called Matters of Fact and Fiction: Essays from 1973 to 1976. Um, if you're not familiar with Gore Vidal, there are two different. Uh, one's a documentary about Gore Vidal, and one is a specific documentary about William F. Buckley and uh, Gore Vidal called The Best of Enemies. Both of those are on Netflix. The United States of Amnesia is what the is what the one about Gore Vidal. Now, Gore Vidal died in 2012. Um, he's mostly known as uh, a man of letters, but the thing that's interesting about him beyond the fact that in in his writing he doesn't like he he's got bars like in like and <laughs> barbs too like it's just like like there's just these witty fucking just like kicking the fucking dicks that he's got that just you're like damn how the fuck did you do that uh but uh oh man um i just totally lost the point because i <laughs> uh he was mostly uh quote unquote leftist a liberal uh in a lot of senses but the thing that's interesting about him is that he knows a lot about like the stances and everything that's going on and since it's just post watergate for a lot of the essays and nixon hasn't resigned for some of them there's definitely like a very just like going after the kind of like strange history of america that we almost completely ignore not the kind of like like what you get in the classroom and then reading a 30 page essay of him like talking about a biography and comparing like two different biography you know like there's specifically a whole chapter on ulysses s grant and i had no i i mean i know about as much as ulysses s grant as most people who aren't like military historians or whatever. Right. But the interesting thing is, is it's kind of a comparative of like his wife's autobiography and his autobiography along with like what history has recorded. And uh, it ends up like kind of showing that he was not real into the constitution. Not a big fan of it. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, he was only president twice. I was going to say three times. Like most most uh, right leaning people these days. Well, this this <laughs> is you know pre the kind of determination of Democratic and Republican because that has switched multiple times. Yeah, mul- multiple times. But like this is, I mean, he's pre communism and in some ways pre the kind of pre socialism. Not completely socialism is kind of arising as something in Europe at the same time. But just it's just co- completely fascinating the takedowns uh, of of things that in our culture seem like sacred. Gore Vidal has no patience for this the sacredness. <laughs> the, he calls like that is a great line. The obsession with like the president, the cult of the president, you know, the re- new American religion. Uh, he's just like got all these like just sick burns all the time for everything. And the other thing that's really interesting about him, talk about a uh, person pushing the limits of being completely and utterly openly bisexual. Going back to the 50s. Now, as you do, I mean, you know, the 50s and even now is a great time for bisexual people. Oh, oh yeah, totally, you know. totally a great time. Um, like, holy Jesus, where like probably if there's anybody who i mean this guy came out of a somewhat upper class 
family, a blended kind of like his father went to West Point, but his father was from like uh, the middle America. His mother was the son of an Oklahoma senator. You know, like, you know, he there's this kind of American kind of culture. He's tied so much to it, but he's now in the upper class instead of like what his family came from. Right. But at the same time, he's not like super rich, but he has access to all of the super rich because he grew up in a political family and even ran for senator two times during his life and neither time he won. But like what's it's just so like this kid was he was born in the hospital at West Point while his father was teaching there. And he grows up to be this writer of American history. He writes about sexuality in a way that he says he was one of the first proponents of like everyone is bisexual to some degree. Right. Like like just this kind of but also just like so well read, so intelligent, so witty, like actually witty. Like in the converse in like interviews I've seen with him, he's just fucking taking shit just like boom out of nowhere, just landing these like huge lines. And if he's in a debate, he just waits for someone to try and hit him and he just goes, Oh well, what about this? <laughs> Right, but I've just become more and more fascinated by Gore Vidal and reading a book of his essays. I actually bought this book for a completely separate reason. Is I bought the book because I have because writing now it's like you have to like study postmodernism to a certain extent as a writer because it's it's already been it's been absorbed into the culture, right? But like, what are the more experimental things? What are the things? And he did this massive kind of takedown, not really takedown piece, but like critique piece, specifically on a lot of what were, quote unquote, the New Yorker school of the 60s and 70s, which is uh, William Gass, Grace Paley, John Barth. um, I'm forgetting a name. I know Thomas Pynchon's in there as well. Um, And I'll think of the other person, you know, at some point. Oh, uh, uh, Donald Bar- Bartlemy and this kind of New Yorker school, like these short story writers that were like having their work printed in the New Yorker or only coming out in the New Yorker or their books being reviewed in the New Yorker positively. Uh, but just very, he, he wrote this takedown essay as a response to an essay that John Barth wrote, but also he read all, all up to that date their current books and kind of reviews them kind of savagely uh but the interesting thing is it's like having read more of the their work but also becoming more interested in like what is postmodernism especially it's like there's been such a debate on the internet of you know of kind of like hit pieces by people who clearly don't understand anything about what postmodernism is right They're just right. throwing stuff in there and calling it postmodernism with no understanding of what the difference between modernism and postmodernism, but I bought this book because it had this had the essay in it, right? And I just like I read that essay initially, and then like I started from the beginning and just completely fascinated by the fact that like he worked in for a couple of years in the fifties, he worked for MGM as a script doctor. Okay. And, which is worse time to but at the, at the same time it's like he jokes about how like novels have become more cinematic more influenced by cinema right in yeah. the 70s and he like the very first thing in there is like uh he him reading and reviewing like the top 10 bestsellers from 1973 as you okay well i mean it's basically i mean it's like a youtube video uh, right i was gonna say even uh, even what you were talking about with him doing responses like oh yeah like response videos on yeah uh, but youtube where people are trying to take pot shots at each other and just kind of but this is like even like imagine spending a month or two like and it's only text but it's so well written and so much time's been invested into it and it's just 
but like it's so amazing also to read a writer who doesn't give a fuck right like there's a don't give a fuckness that's just like completely missing i mean that's part of the reason like, why i love uh natalie uh contrapoints yeah with her oh um i always kind of reviewed response videos would be better if they were a seduction <laughs> like okay yeah let's but uh now of course i will say like if gore vidal if you tried to do what gore vidal did in the 70s and 60s and stuff, you would be an incredibly controversial figure now because a lot of that stuff deals with like very politically incorrect but like he's in a way it's what he's doing is more pointing out the fact that people don't want to talk about it. So are you saying he's the Mylianopolis of, uh, no, it's, it's, it's more directly Chris, like Christopher Hitchens. I would say Christopher Hitchens kind of inherited the kind of place and culture that Gore Vidal kind of, but, but more just like, just political correctness means a different thing in the 1970s than it does now. Right. You know, it's a very different, term you know it's the beginnings of uh you know sec second wave feminism and stuff you know we haven't even really gotten to third or i should say it's the beginnings of third wave feminism we're nowhere near intersectionality (laughs) right but it's also just like calling racism racism you know calling a spade a spade and just like being like yeah it's a racial epithet but it's i'm using it to get behind the scenes this is what they say behind the scenes this is how they actually talk right this is what they actually say you know it's like a very what i mean that just did you ever watch mindhunter i still have i haven't had a chance okay it's just, yeah I, I we typically watch i have pretty much only watched tv shows mostly with my wife right because you know when you work a bunch it's kind of hard sometimes to you know and when you're trying to like you know create stuff and right watch a movie every once in a while you know and, i believe me, i understand yeah. well the, the only reason i bring it up is that there's a whole entire like subplot over a couple episodes which is whole uh, you know all about the fact that hey whenever they're it's them doing it what's the word them just kind of winging it in all the interviews and they're trying to create a they're doing trying to do this for research purposes and trying to get like so they have the you know scientist who's been peer tested or you know peer reviewed peer reviewed and all that stuff to go okay here's the form you have to use every single time and them go them you know bristling against it and finally going okay and then the guy they come into they just notice is swearing up a storm and you know he's having this whole entire thing and they come in and he's extremely hostile to them and um they're trying to use the form and he's just not reacting and so finally um the lead character who's the one who starts so buttoned up and you know all that very much by the rules and he just you know how did it feel to take take such tasty young cunts out of the world why don't you save some for us, but you know, like that sort of thing. And like, you know, and his partner's like, what the fuck? And you know, that sort of thing. And it becomes a whole investigate investigation. Like, why are you using this sort of verbiage? Yeah. You know, why are you following the, the form? Yeah, this is how they actually talk. This, like, as soon as yeah. I started talking the way he talks, yeah. he started opening up and we got some real be- breakthroughs there. Yeah. But, you when, know, when you're in case in, a layer of uh performance right you have to like and the performance isn't getting you anywhere you have to you have to yeah. sometimes you have to quote unquote, sink to their level right you know or whatever but um what real quick the, the thing that's interesting in in the context of the show is that he is not going to he they're they're recording it and he's not going to delete it from the tape and his partner goes like dude like this <laughs> you're gonna have to the, delete it from yeah the tape. The, you're gonna have to delete that part because there's no way that's gonna fly and then so he's like okay they they omit it from the 
official record and the tape still exists, but they admit it from the official record and then it comes out that it's on the tape and it blows up into this whole entire thing and it's a learning experience for the main character to kind of go, okay, cool, well, I'm, I wasn't going to do this, I followed your lead and look where it's got us, so I'm just going to follow my gut from now on. I'm going to do what I need. Yeah, why? Because fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> because fuck, fuck you. you. Uh, but uh, I would say uh, if you're if you really want to read something that uh, <coughs> talks about the Nixon administration and a lot of honesty, sometimes also a little bit of subjective uh, kick in the pants. Um, but especially with what we're dealing with a lot of the investigations right now on the politics of today, it's nice to read something from 40 plus years ago to kind of see uh, oh okay <laughs> so there's no illusion it's always been this bad it's just worse because it's actually in the public eye like it's not right, right. it's not behind closed doors it's not the nixon tapes it's just out in the open it's it's public now instead of behind closed doors so but at the same time it's also like you know even in the mid-70s he's predicting the end of the american empire 40 year you know yeah. it's, it's 40 years later and it feels the same way it's the end it feels like the end right well apparently we've just kept it at the fucking end for the last six years after world war ii we were like okay build it up and then let's just stand at the precipice yeah for as long as we can keep it at the precipice yeah exactly <laughs> Well, um, you know, speaking about the, the, I mean, one of the big things that everybody kind of disconnects from Nixon is Watergate feels to us as like it's a very sudden thing. Yeah. And it's not. No. It took years. Yeah. Um, and. And like he fired, he fired the quote, the Robert Mueller of that investigation and that really sank him. Yeah, into well, the I mean, it, not only he, well, it was. It, I'm trying to remember what they call it, but it was that it was the it was like Bloody Sunday or something like that because a bunch of people resigned because they refused to fire him, and he finally moved down into the point where somebody finally said yes. Yeah, and then they fired him. Um, no, but what I was gonna as a supplement to what you were saying, uh, Slate has a podcast on the Watergate scandal um. and actually putting it into context, and you know, I think and. From what I've heard, it might be a week by week, like, hey, this is what was going on at this point in the Watergate investigation, and it's called uh, Slow Burn, a podcast about Watergate scandal, wow. and or about Watergate. I can't even imagine how many books that they're right. like, cross-referencing stuff with, because you've got all the President's Men. Right. You've got... Which all, is how most of us know the context and, and everything. And, of. and at this point, you have, all, you have the Nixon by Nixon book which is all the nixon tapes transcribed like it's everything he fucking said in the white house that he right. shouldn't have been recording uh you've got all but, this but, but hey presidents before me had all those tapes yeah you've got all the stuff oh man there's a fucking fascinating character named e howard hunt who, who gore vidal does a fucking essay about who goes from being a fucking novelist who works for the strategic services office then the CIA, then does all of those stuff in all these Latin American countries. He's like he's like both a novelist and an actual fucking spy, causing all this trouble. And then he finally ends up in trouble because he fucking was a part of the Watergate break-in. <laughs> that that lady and ladies and gentlemen is talent. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, oh man, and uh, it's so funny how the more books you read, quoting like the more books you read, they all start kind of talking to each other because there's information about like, hey, uh, I forgot to mention this when we talked about the men staring goats, but Eric Olson is in the last chapter. Okay, that whole last chapter of that book is all about his father's murder and all the stuff leading up into 2004. So it's funny that I'd right. watch the documentary <laughs> by Errol Morris. Right. That covers everything that's happened, every, the whole thing up until now. 
right. 20, or till 2017. And then this is 13 years earlier. There's actually an interview. Uh, there's a Wormwood podcast that has a couple of supplemental episodes. Nice. And one of the episodes is John Ronson interviewing Errol Morris about the fact that they both know Eric Olson and what they've both written about it. Nice. Talked about it. So, but yeah, the apparently our whole lives revolve around Watergate. <laughs> right I mean, now <laughs> they just kind of rotate around this event in history i mean it, there's an obvious correlation why so yeah it's just i i feel like it's been building in some ways i mean also i think a good reason i mean recently and it's part of the reason probably why slate came out with the watergate thing yeah. is that everybody is here going obviously he's fucking guilty just get it on with <laughs> like watergate and it's yeah, like but you know, um, there was a podcast. You have to have evidence. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a podcast recently on Penn, um, Penn Sunday School, which apparently now airs every, uh, every or twice a week. Oh. Instead, it's on Sundays and on Wednesdays. But there was a recent. Oh, he's, he's really going to church now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not even joking. Um, but he had a recent. Um, I'm trying to remember who he even was, but they were talking about. It's a book about um, Nixon and like how Nixon gets to where he is today. Yeah, and then you know just kind of going. Oh, it was uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's new book, the on uh, playing with fire. Well, he and the Lawrence O'Donnell were buds. Yeah, and so but it's all about how like this is kind of Watergate through the prism of or Trump through the prism of Watergate. And hey, at this point in the Watergate um, investigation, investiga- investigation, we had essentially nothing. We had no idea that we were X amount of weeks away from Nixon just resigning rather yeah, than being cause, impeached. Because uh, that, that's one of the things is this last essay in this book is called State of the Union. And it closes with him talking about saying that Nixon should resign. Nixon should put his head on the pedestal. And allow us to to have the redemp you know this kind of redemption yeah. but yeah it's only yeah that was may 75 so i mean it was published in may 75 so it's like brutally cool technically it's super it's almost it's either right there or happened right uh but when it was published you know versus right. when it was written because magazines at that point you know, you were two or three months in advance. Yeah. You know, yeah. for a monthly magazine. <laughs> they didn't have the money like newspapers did to do the daily, uh, to keep or to do it as quick to print it as quickly. And they don't and even compared to now, it's like can you imagine just writing something three mo- uh, an article three mo- two or three months before it's published? Yeah. <laughs> like like nowadays it's like I wrote this thing in the week later or it feels or that same or that same day or you know hey it's on medium.com great cool yeah yeah and then uh and then enough gets enough views that someone picks it up in a real newspaper and they want to pay you money for it or a magazine or whatever they want you to rewrite it and explore it more do this do that make a sequel whatever drive traffic to their website but uh which is yeah but I totally fizzled out there. I'm proud so, of you. I'm proud of you. That, yeah. that that was a pretty epic, like just burnout right there. <laughs> just like that's that's what just happened. So on that note, uh, Nathan, where can people find your uh, brilliant writing on the interwebs? Uh, uh, my uh, my experimental sound poetry can be found at Sound. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if uh, you want to get a hold of me, pretty much the only place to do that is on Twitter at nate wad neutron sometimes on reddit but very rarely um that's pretty much the only place you can really talk to me on there or you can comment on a youtube video and one day i'll actually get on there and respond to comments Ooh. <laughs> and that was special so justin where can they find you on the interwebs uh justindheard.net um and you can find me at dubious consumption on uh, youtube that's the that's the big thing now and also uh patreon 
uh, patreon.com forward slash justin d heard we did get demonetized i uh, hit right at midnight on the 20 for the 21st so um there's that but we're um only 380 subscribers away from hitting the thousand at that point we can apply again yeah. and when you hit a thousand that's when you get sponsorship deals you get super chat where people can actually pay you money while you're talking to yeah, when you their do questions. like live q a streams and yeah stuff. so what that's that's what we're shooting towards um obviously we have several videos in the uh in the pipeline yeah so we're just trying to get that um but yeah um the end you can find me at justin d heard on twitter well, uh, do you have a final thought, Justin? Uh, I did see Black Panther.